If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you bow your heads with me? We could really use another lecture from the Apostle Paul, said no one ever. But that's what we're getting from the lectionary this week, Holy One. It is the passage in which he reminds us, indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. He goes on to ask, are all apostles... Are all prophets, are all teachers? The Spirit must be moving, Holy One, because we actually did need this particular lecture after the governor issued an executive order last week insisting that all really are teachers, as if professional educator credentials, knowledge, skills, and experience are pumped through the HVAC vents at state agencies and employees there become certified, trained, vetted, and well-qualified classroom teachers simply by breathing. Help us choose what Paul described as a more excellent way, Holy One, which is to remember that we are one body, but many members, and when one suffers, we all suffer. Our children are counting on us to act accordingly. So are our blessed teachers. We pray in the name of Jesus, our lead instructor. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, 5 through 6, and 8 through 10. All the people gathered together in the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday 
in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he had opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. It's possible some of you have never heard of the book of Nehemiah. Maybe you thought it was a typo that we're meant to be reading from the book of Jeremiah, even though that's another book of the Bible that most of us can't find without using the table of contents. I've never actually preached from Jeremiah, and I've never even heard a sermon from it. But this week, the lectionary had preachers choose from Nehemiah, Psalm 119, a passage from 1 Corinthians, or a passage from the Gospel of Luke. And I don't mean to complain, but I'm complaining. None of those options felt particularly right for this moment. The psalm uses the word happy and blessed. So many times it becomes slightly vomitous. Plus it's 176 verses long and white people church cannot abide that long of a reading. <laughs> there wasn't anything specifically terrible about the text from 1 Corinthians. I just never could get anything on the line. And since Sunday comes every single week, I had to cut bait on Wednesday evening. The passage from the Gospel of Luke was immediately off the table. The selection was from the fourth chapter, the occasion of Jesus' first sermon. And in it, he preaches, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Read the room, Jesus. No one is proclaiming 2022 as the year of the Lord's favor. In fact, for the last two Januaries, we've been saying, nobody claim this year as your year. We're all going to walk in real slow, be good, be quiet, be cautious and respectful. Don't touch 
anything. And even though I feel like a good many of us followed the rules, not all of us did. So now our schools are running out of teachers and students and our hospitals are out of nurses and ICU beds. Everything, or at least almost everything, still seems hard right now. We had hoped this year would be easier, just like we had hoped 2021 would be easier. But in many ways, it doesn't feel like anything has lightened up or normalized or stabilized. Last week, the governor rolled out a statewide program to welcome volunteer teachers to help make in-person learning an option, as if there weren't any other measures that could be taken to keep teachers and students healthy, or as if anyone who walks into a school building can completely manage a classroom or give professional, developmentally appropriate grade-level instruction. Usually when the news at home is bad. Oklahomans cope by reading news from other places, places that want their residents to thrive. But looking to national and world headlines hasn't really been all that helpful as of late. Just a few days after the country honored the life and work of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the U.S. Senate could not find the political will to pass the Freedom to Vote Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. We also watched newly classified, declassified military drone footage showing a botched drone strike on a family home that killed 10 Afghan civilians, including seven children. There seemed to be no rules in the era of drone warfare. And on the world stage, we are holding our collective breath as Russia continues to threaten Ukraine, even if it really doesn't mean it. As one of my favorite theologians, Debbie Thomas, asks, who on earth would reasonably call our current moment holy or favored by God? Surely, I thought, Nehemiah will have a different message. The prophets are always yelling about how terrible things are, and that's the energy I'm here for. Let's lament together. It seems like everyone has had at least one sackcloth and ashes moment during the last week or so, and the prophet Nehemiah, surely he will let us waller in it for a while. Wrong. His exact words are, this day is holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Fine. The book of Nehemiah describes a tender and hard-won moment in Israel's history. Here's the context. Nehemiah is a minor figure in the court of the king of Persia. When Nehemiah hears that Jerusalem is a broken, fire-raised wreck, he begs the king to let him return to his homeland and rebuild the city of his ancestors. The obstacles to the rebuilding are fierce and numerous, but Nehemiah persists and finally succeeds in restoring Jerusalem's wall and gates. He then invites his people back from exile and asks them to gather in the square for an assembly. The lectionary, what we read, picks up 
at that moment, when the prophet Ezra opens the book in the sight of all the people and reads from the law of Moses. He reads until the assembly of men, women, and children gathered in the square open their ears, stand up, raise their hands, and worship, saying, Amen, Amen, and they begin to weep. The story ends with Nehemiah and Ezra telling the people to dry their tears, return to their homes to eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and share the feast with those who are poor. Following an intense divine encounter, the people do embrace the day and time they live in as holy to the Lord. The story seems to offer us a a beautiful picture of what can happen when we seek the presence of God together in our lives and allow that presence to infuse every part of our lives. Remember, the Israelites who gathered at the water gate to hear the reading of the Torah were not people living there happily ever after, all their troubles behind them. They were people newly returned from exile to a homeland that was still in ruins. It was just the wall and the gates that had been rebuilt at that point. Their traumas were fresh and their future was unclear. Their most recent memories were memories of loss, dislocation, oppression, and chaos. Ezra read from the book for hours, from early morning until midday, and in that time, the people entered into a period of deep reflection and remembrance. I imagine, writes Debbie Thomas, that when the Israelites heard the sacred stories of their tradition, the stories of the Exodus, the stories of God's provision in the desert, the stories of their ancestors' failures and rebellions, they feel everything from nostalgia to elation to horror to happiness. They weep in gratitude over God's goodness. They weep in bewilderment over God's silence. They weep in regret over their own sins. They weep in mourning for all that they've had to surrender and lose. They weep in relief that the exile is over and Jerusalem, raised though it is, is once again their home. The word of God, living and active, it, it holds all of these stories. It allows all of this. It includes all of this. It blesses all of this, which is why Nehemiah then tells them that they can move into joy. They do not have any trouble weeping they are having trouble remembering that there is joy still all around them. Do not mistake me for suggesting that just reading the Bible will somehow magically make everything better. No, but something powerful happens among the people when Ezra opens the book and reminds them of who they are in the long arc of God's story. What happens is not magic, neither is it manipulation. What happens is transformation. As the people listen to scripture with their whole hearts to receive what's read in a spirit of openness and vulnerability, 
they express their comprehension as honestly as they can, and then things change. And that's what makes the day holy, favored by God. It, it occurred to me several times a day, every day last week, that most of us, to some degree, have spent the last two years in exile waiting for real life to start again, that someday, not today, but someday we'll again feel like the day is holy, favored by God. The narrative started out like this. Life is being disrupted. And then we built on the narrative from there, saying that the pandemic has put our lives on pause. This version of our lives isn't really living because we've had to cancel events that mean something to us. We've had to rearrange the way we navigate our daily lives. Nothing is like the way it was before. So yes, it makes absolute sense that we've written the narrative as life on pause. We've been deferring and deflecting as if the days we live right now don't count as real life. They won't, that won't exist again until after the pandemic. Real life will resume when we don't have to order at-home COVID tests. Real life will resume when we don't have to look at color-coded risk assessment maps. Real life will resume when we put away our masks for good. Then, possibly, we might declare the day to be holy to the Lord or that this year is the year of the Lord's favor. But it might be that that way of thinking is killing us. I think, like Nehemiah saw in his people, that this narrative has tricked us into thinking that there is no joy to be found, only weeping, that there have been too many missed moments, loss, disease, rearranged lives, and everything falling apart for this moment to be holy to the Lord, much less favored. What we forget is that missed moments, loss, disease, rearranged lives, and everything falling apart, that has been part of living since the beginning. For the Bible tells us so. But so too has finding the joy of the Lord been part of living since the beginning. The kind of mindset that is familiar with gratitude, with finding the silver lining. The kind of life that is watered by relationships, awareness, grit, and grace. It's not a fake happy or being a Pollyanna. It's, it's staying committed to remembering who we are in the long, long arc of God's story, people of trust, people of joy, people of resurrection. Our story gives us the blueprint, community and intentionality. Notice that the people didn't just start celebrating and dancing immediately. They have to remember how to drop their shoulders, turn their face towards the sun, and take a deep breath. 
Humans cannot just flip on the joy switch. We do not have that kind of hardware. We have to be intentional. A phone call to a friend, show up or log into the faith formation class tonight, keep that appointment with your therapist, attend Wednesday evening book study or commit to coming to the upcoming Lenten book study, take an antidepressant, ready a cup of tea, start a gratitude journal, explore the practice of prayer, send a note to the people who loved you into life. That kind of joy. God's today is not a day to postpone or defer. It is not a cosmic fairy tale ending in some fuzzy, indistinct future. Good news is available to us right now. The time for renewal is this moment. We can embody the joy of the Lord today. We could even just start by embodying it for one minute of the day. And we know that this joy is our strength, for the Bible tells us so. This last week, we grieved the death of Thich Nhat Hanh, who knew this truth even as a teacher in another tradition and encouraged us in this way. The kingdom of God is available to you here and now. But the question is whether you are available to the kingdom. Our practice is to make ourselves ready for the kingdom so that it can manifest in the here and now. You don't need to die in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, you have to be truly alive in order to do so. During the season of Epiphany, we are invited again and again to look for signs and glimpses of revelation, of presence, of transformation, of really living. This day is holy to the Lord. This year is the year of the Lord's favor. Let us make it so. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.